1: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The only daily Premier League podcast.
0: This is Football Social Daily.
2: It's here. The World Cup is underway and it's shaping up to be every bit as controversial and divisive as people predicted. One game in and we've already had records being broken and allegations of corruption on the pitch. Today... I feel Jim Salverson. Today he feels Marley Anderson and today he feels (laughs) Niall McCorn. And this feels like Football Social Daily. Well, for the next few weeks, it is World Cup Social Daily as we turn our attention to the Qatar Desert and the festival of football that is being held there. It's a shorter podcast today as we're only a few hours away from England's opener versus Iran. So we'll be previewing that game and then as soon as the final whistle has blown, we'll be back with a podcast to discuss what happens on the pitch in England's opener. We're going to get on to England in a second, lads. But first, I want to get an idea from you of how you feel the World Cup is going early doors. Because it's only 24 hours in and already there are plenty of talking points to look at. We kicked off last night with Qatar versus Ecuador. But already, it feels like this World Cup, as many predicted, could be overshadowed by controversy, Nile.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is already the most controversial World Cup of all time from six years ago when they changed it to a Winter World Cup to combat the temperatures to 12 years ago when they originally won the the rights to the World Cup and the right to host it after what we can probably hazard a guess was a bit of a a corrupt vote Mm. um, in and amongst FIFA, both for Russia and Qatar. So we should know and we should pretext this whole conversation with the fact that everyone here knows that Qatar should not be staging the World Cup. However, they are, and we can't rewind the clock uh, as much as I wish we would have done because yesterday to me, and I think this needs some pretext as well, in the UK, what we saw on our television screens, we never got to see the opening ceremony, mm. which apparently had Morgan Freeman in it. Really? I'm not sure how much he's got to do with Qatari culture, but apparently he was part didn't of the opening Didn't have Robbie ceremony. Williams in it
2: as well, so it's probably good that we didn't get to see it.
3: Well, I know David Beckham was there as well, and Beckham's taken some money from the Qataris to big up the tournament as Ten well. So good. There are so many different um, avenues you can go down when it comes to who's in the right and who's in the wrong. But yes, like I say, on our TV screens, we didn't see the opening ceremony. What we did see for the first half an hour of Qatar versus Ecuador's build-up was acknowledgement of the issues around this tournament, uh, issues around human rights for the workers that built the stadiums, issues around uh, LGBTQ plus people who will probably feel unwelcome and unsafe in travelling to Qatar. So yes, there are there are many questions that need to be answered. But for me, the whole thing felt hollow. Mm. It didn't feel legitimate and whether that's because of the way that Qatar won the World Cup or whether that's because of all of these issues hanging over the tournament, I don't know. But the fact that there's no real hype, there's no real build-up, it was one of the worst football matches I've seen in years. Qatar are an awful, awful football team. They couldn't string a pass together.
0: It's okay, this I Rich
3: g- going for a Portsmouth fan, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> we'd, beat, we'd beat Qatar. Do you <laughs> reckon? <laughs> Probably would, actually. Pompey yeah. would beat Qatar. Honestly, ah. it was terrible. But you know, I mean, it made. But that's just on pitch, looked uh,
2: like prime Ronaldo, didn't it? Precisely. Pretty much that game. But
3: after an hour, you talk about going to the Qatar desert. The stands were deserted. Mm. That was really disappointing. After actually. 70 minutes, it's the opening game of a World Cup. This is meant to be on a par with the Olympics as the biggest sporting spectacle in world sport. Mm. And yet, the opening game, which by the way, three months ago wasn't supposed to be Qatar versus Ecuador. The Qataris made it about themselves and wanted to open the tournament. They moved the opening game from Monday. Mm. That wasn't meant to be the opening game. Three months ago, they changed it. Two days ago, before the start of the tournament, they changed the fact that is they that couldn't why... have beer in the in the stands and is alcohol why there was has been no banned. 10 o'clock game today. I did wonder why there was only one game. You went to Brazil in 2014. Yeah. Obviously, football is massively ingrained in the Brazilian culture. I don't think Brazil did anything special for the World Cup other than just be themselves. And I think that. The fact that we've seen $200 billion spent on this World Cup, majorly more than any other World Cup in history, and it just felt so hollow for me, and I couldn't enjoy it. Traditionally, a World
2: Cup is an opportunity for a nation to elevate the sport within that nation, yeah. particularly when it goes to a developing state, rather than someone like Brazil who's obviously got heritage. And that doesn't feel like it was happening in Qatar. And like you say, really disappointing to see the empty stadiums up after half time. The, the quality of the football is kind of like, for me, it's like, well... They're the host nation and just because they're bad as football, you can't really criticise them too much for that. But it was a disappointing game as well. The stuff in the studio from the BBC beforehand, I was kind of torn on a little bit because they did go in two-footed on a lot of the Mm. stuff surrounding this World Cup. And my overriding feeling, I kind of wanted to see the opening ceremony firstly. But secondly, my kind of overriding feeling was you're all sitting there in Qatar. You're all supporting the World Cup. And there's an element of hypocrisy by having a go at the human rights and the LGBT and the yeah. workers' rights and being in a studio, getting paid a ridiculous amount of money. The world's a mess, though, Jim. I know. Like, well,
3: what, you just want it to just go straight into the matches with no commentary, no punditry? No, it,
2: it needs to be referenced. But at the same time, I'm not sure you can be as vermin in your opinion of something and still take a paycheck to be out there. If you feel that strongly...
3: But they're not being paid they're by Qatar. They're not being paid by Qatar. They're being no. paid
0: by the BBC. But we we could actually see um, them broadcast from Britain. Yeah, we, that could have been an option. But obviously they haven't took that, and they they're making a rod for their own back sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a sticky one, and nobody really knows. Mm. It didn't, feel special, the obvious around, it didn't really. feel special It didn't feel it didn't feel. special. And
2: at what all. we're doing at the opening start of this podcast is doing exactly what Infantino, the fifth president, asked us not to do ahead of the World Cup, concentrate on the politics and concentrates and not concentrate on the football. Uh, did, yeah,
0: did I listened to Gianni Infantino as well. It's we the said, day this, I well, we give said this on, on the podcast
3: six months ago, didn't we? I remember clearly having a conversation in this very studio. You cannot separate football and politics. But that's what he asked us to do, and yet the day before, Saturday, before the World Cup picked up
2: It's exactly what he did. He gave a big speech and brought football and politics together. Here's a taste of what he said
1: Today I feel uh, Qatari.
2: Today I feel Arab. Today I feel African. Today I feel uh, gay. Today I feel disabled. Today I feel uh, a migrant worker. So what do we make of Infantino's comments about knowing what it's like to be discriminated against because he was ginger (laughs) at school? I'm
3: surprised he didn't go on to say, I am Satan, whilst he was (laughs) there. (laughs) Um, would be more accurate. Yeah, poor. But you'd expect no less from FIFA, would you really? Yeah, it was a pathetic sim, to be honest. Horribly um, misjudged. Yeah, a little bit. uh... And then did you see him before the match as well? No. On a microphone, stood up in the stands. Welcome to the World Cup. It was like a film. Mm -hmm. It's like a movie.
2: Let's go back to the football for a second. Before we get on to England versus Iran, which is happening in just a few hours' time, let's talk very briefly about Qatar versus Ecuador, the opening match, which, (laughs) as we've said, was low on quality, but high on controversy because the first goal scored in the world cup finals was ruled out for offside which caused a lot of people on social media to claim that there was corruption early doors that people paying off var i mean and to forget the
3: rules clearly of the game it, it yeah. was it was a
2: controversial decision that it was disallowed but i don't think it I, was you don't think it was too, okay
0: talk no, us through it it's Marley. it's
3: offside for sure but
0: it's just because if you firstly you have to know the rules of football and the rules are that there has to be two players yeah. between things but as as is football, one is always the goalkeeper. Mm. So everybody, when the goalie comes off his line and there's an offside decision, everyone just forgets and goes, <laughs> oh, that defender's there so how can he be offside? <laughs> there has to be two. Yeah. Two opposition players. Yeah. One it's, of them it's... might be the goalkeeper in certain situations where yeah, either comes for a cross like you're seeing from a, like a corner, for example, mm. or a free kick. Uh, sometimes it happens when like somebody plays sweeper-keeper and they end up getting uh, dribbled round, and you know, not getting the ball. But I know it was like, it it came at the worst time, didn't it? Because everyone just went, "Oh, corruption!" And they yeah, went three on three minutes. They in. went on Twitter, and, <laughs> and you know, "Oh, it's Algeria going to win the World Cup." Five minutes later, the one 0 down. It's like mm-hmm. they're not going to win the World Cup because they. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Like it's it the wound real, me up, and then yeah. they, you know they, the the punditry as well wound me up as well. Oh, it's really controversial. It's not because the goalie punches it; it then hits. Uh, I forgot the the Ecuador player's name, but it hits him on the head. And then, therefore, he is in play and he's Mm -hmm. part of the thing. So then, when he bicycle kicks it across to Valencia, that is, he's become involved in play. Therefore, he's offside. They could have actually spun the whole uh, thing of the new, the way VAR works in the World Cup is like it works in, I think it's the Champions League, where they have the 3D images of the players Mm -hmm. and they show you the perfect angle whereas with when England um in, in English Premier League you look lines. at it and you go yeah. who's drew them lines friggin' Stevie Wonder? <laughs> like you know you look at it from a dodgy angle and you're people going, relying Is he offside where the, the way
2: the grass has been cut but, yeah, to work out, go, whether it's a VAR yeah, decision and you get people going oh how many
0: off. frames per second uh, does that camera capture because the ball didn't exactly leave his foot at that specific millisecond and you're like so they could have just went oh that you know this 3D World Cup thing actually works really mm-hmm. well we can see that he's um like, just below his knee was offside. It's not by much, but it's marginal. But you couldn't see that on the way the English game did it. But instead, everyone
2: just went, oh, corruption.
0: Oh, uh, I didn't know you had to have two, I mean, two
2: opposition players. The idea that a bad VAR decision Bizarre. should instantly be corruption, we should know by now that bad VAR decisions are par for the course now rather yeah. than a dodgy Qatari bung somewhere. It was
3: close, though. It wasn't like it was a... I don't think it was absolutely blatantly obviously offside. And like Marley says, a lot of people don't remember the rule.
2: But maybe England will their very first game is against Iran we're going to talk about it next on Football Social Daily.
0: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
1: football social
0: daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk
2: welcome back this is football social daily we are just hours away from England's opening game of the world cup the group b opener england versus iran and there's lots of speculation going on about who will be in southgate starting 11 who won't be in southgate starting 11 how far england will go in this competition let's pick the bones out of some of it so How do you expect Gareth Southgate to line up for Iran, Marley? Because everyone wants him to play four at the back. Kyle Walker's not playing. He's injured still, which makes it maybe slightly more likely he'll Mm. play four at the back. But is Southgate going to take the opportunity for this game, which is his probably best opportunity to go attacking out of all the group games? Do you think he's going to take that opportunity or is he going to play it safe for the opening fixture? Uh, I think he'll go with four at the back. Um, but only because
0: Walker's injured. Mm. <laughs> um, I think he'll end up playing with like Trippier, Shaw, Stones and Maguire um, and then probably three in midfield of Mount, Bellingham and Rice um, and then your front three of Sterling, probably Saka um, and then yeah. Kane obviously up front. But it's, um, yeah, I, I mean I don't want to see the three at the back system. I don't think you need wing-backs and three centre-backs against Iran Um I don't think you need it in the group stage at all to be honest uh, until you get to the knockout and you can change uh, sort of on the strength of the opponent a little bit more um, but no, I think England should play just 4-3-3, mm. get at and you know put everything to bed a bit uh, as quick as possible really and get the get people talking about how England might win the World Cup rather than whether they might wear the, ar- wear the armband mm. or should they have wear the armband and all this sort of stuff that's yeah. dominated the pre match. Um, it's a good chance to just stick it out of the way a little bit and
2: uh and start focusing on the football a bit. Seems to me that it plays more to the strengths of that England back four playing a four rather than a five as well, because Trippier plays really well as a right back in a back four. Luke Shaw's better mm. as a left back in the back four, Maguire's mm-hmm. Maguire. John Stones is John Stones <laughs> so yeah. you're kind of stuck with them and whether Ben White or um, someone Maguire else gets and nod. Stones
0: play, play back four every week mm, I know yeah. Maguire's played a lot in the back three for England but They've if, been you, speaking if you're going back well, to the last two. tournament you're, you're yeah. going back two years and then four years after that so.
3: Those two have been speaking about how good a relationship they have Stones and Maguire Um, I think they do get on really well and partnerships are massive in football and you're right with Luke Shaw out at left back he's much better in a four but he has played on the left of a back three incidentally whenever Manchester United tried to play with wing backs under Solskjaer Shaw would always be the left of the three centre halves and not the Mm -hmm. left wing back that would be someone like Tellez or someone like that so um, I definitely think a back four is the way to go from what I've seen from the reports today Marley's right it looks like Saka is going to start ahead of Phil Foden which has surprised a few but I think Saka's a very good player um, and I think England are going to go attack form, him
2: you wouldn't go with Sterling would you but he's,
0: yes. he's always well, going to go with Sterling right? yeah. Sterling's
3: mean, never
2: le- I mean, he's, uh, Sterling, Pickford, Maguire are three players where you go I hate well this maybe saying their club has never club let
3: England down No one's, none of these players have let England down they've, nope. they've reached the semi-finals of the World Cup they've reached the finals of the Euro They've not. none of these players that's have never let England that's down that's not what I they're, don't saying, though, is saying, is it? they're
2: saying they're saying that refers to the fact that whenever they play for
3: England they seem to outperform their club Well, They play fewer games for England. Mm. I I don't like the saying in general. I think, from what I've read though, I think that it's going to be more attacking from Southgate. I think that Marley's right. I think that it's going to be more attacking and I think try and get the game out of the way, put the game to bed because let's not forget that even though it's the winter in Qatar, they've had a bit of a hot snap there. Mm. It's well over 30 degrees during the day and of course Iran are much more used to those sorts of climates and conditions with their players also, you know, being a Middle Eastern country. And I think they're probably going to have more supporters than they would normally have in a World Cup just by virtue of the proximity of the two countries to each other. So I think this is a an important game this for England. I mean, they all are in the group stages of the World Cup, but I think getting off to a good start, as much as it's a cliche, if England can be in the lead at half time by one, and maybe more, then uh, I think they should have more than enough to get the job done.
2: With Marley's first 11 there, Niall, mm-hmm. I think he's got that pretty much bang on he's in terms it right, of... Yeah, for me. The question marks for me would be potentially whether it's Sterling and Saka, but I think be Saka. it suggests yeah. that it's those two. Mm. From
3: what we've seen, and this is one thing that I don't know whether I like it or not, is I shouldn't know four hours before kickoff that Saka's starting ahead of Foden. Mm. Nor I I shouldn't know. Iran certainly no. shouldn't know. And for whatever reason, all of the England squad was leaked before it was announced to go to Qatar. Whoever the twenty-six man squad was was leaked <laughs> that in the days up. leading up to the tournament. Found
0: out by David Ornstein's Twitter at like ten a.m. and then <laughs> this three is, more at, this at is half I mean.
3: ten. And I know football's football, and and you know whoever you have on the pitch, it shouldn't matter. You should be up for it and willing to beat the other eleven players. But is there no element of secrecy? It's not covert. I'm at assuming all.
2: it must be some kind of deliberate leaking in in some regard. There must be. It must be a make way. It must be a will give know. us a good story who, and we will be kind to the that. press. It's, it's, I don't know.
3: Well, I think there's a good relationship between this England team and the press, which is something Gareth Southgate has tried to build, <laughs> and it's absolutely essential that there is a good relationship because I think it helps and I think it has helped England's success over the last couple of years. I don't like the. The idea that things are leaked, though. The fact that before we've come into the studio to record the show, we know that England, and I'm going to use this strong terminology, have bottled wearing the One Love armband. They've mm. absolutely bottled it because Harry Kane is going to get booked as soon as he steps onto the pitch for wearing it. i tell you he's bottled it. Bet 365 have bottled it. Bet365
0: have bottled it. By not letting me bet on <laughs> Harry Kane to be first booked <laughs> because they've got, they're allowing me to to put a quid on Beerenvan, the, the Iranian goalie, at 20 to one, but not Harry Kane. Bottle jobs. If you're listening Bet365 with your 500 million dividends to your CEO, I think
2: it's disappointing that England aren't going to wear the one love armband. So there are posters all around Qatar of the England team, and in the England team posters, Harry Kane is wearing the Qatar. It is wearing the One Love armband, so it seems. It's clearly it was always the intention, and because FIFA have it's gone, talk, oh no, you can't do that. Talking the about sporting back sanctions, aren't they? Afterwards, but
0: what's that like? I don't know. You know, like if we talk about, was it Bulgaria and and people like when they have the the racism and stuff, and what are the sporting sanctions they get? They get a, they get a fine, mm. twenty five grand fine. Like any one of the England players themselves, Troy Deeney got fined more for having
3: tinted windows on his car than Bulgaria got fined for <laughs> for being racist. In terms hey, don't of, mess with the
2: DVLA. <laughs> going back to the football again, uh, in terms of that midfield, Bellingham, Rice and Mason Mount is your prediction. Mm. I think mm. Declan Rice is probably a given. Jude Bellingham is probably a given, particularly given the form of, or the lack of game time, I should say, of Calvin Phillips. That automatically means that Southgate's being slightly more offensive than we've seen him before because that's one holding midfielder. And then I guess the question is whether it's Mason Mount or one of the others that plays that number 10 role. James Madison, we know he's not fit, so it doesn't leave too many options there.
3: No, I think, Matt, it's got to be Mount. Um, recent form, I know Chelsea haven't been brilliant leading up to the international break, but... The only in alternative the last... is Gallagher, isn't it? Well, well yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, the, the last month or so, Mason Mount's probably been the best in that position as far as England are concerned. Um, Bellingham is someone who can not only win the ball back, but also he makes those progressive runs to the edge of the box. I think Declan Rice, we're starting to see him do a bit more of that. Um, I don't think we'll see him do it for England, though. I no, think his but job is going to be He will sitting. be 25 yards out on the edge of the box if a corner breaks down, ready to strike it, alas Steven Gerrard used to do mm. back in the day, you know. Um, I think we'll see a bit of that from him. So I, I think that's a really young, energetic, exciting midfield. Um, Mason Mount, you know, he he might not play 90 minutes. I don't think he will. I don't know who will come on for him. Um, whether we might see a little change Phil Foden go in there I know Foden can play off the left or the right but I I, I think he'd be good in a 10 position as well I think he'd be great um, I just think that Southgate would have had this squad selection figured out for the last 10 days
2: What about Iran then? They're the opposition we don't know a huge amount about them but is it going to be more of a challenge for England than maybe some are predicting Marley? I don't think they're as bad as what people
0: sort of assume Um I think they'll give USA and Wales a, a decent enough game. Um, they're not as bad as like Qatar yesterday, for example. You know, I think people will sort of throw them in and say, oh, well, you know, Iran are the, the Qatar of this group. But they're not, they're, they're, they're a lot better than that. But they still shouldn't really lay a glove on England, if, if we're being honest. But yeah, the, um, the only one, well, there's two things I know about Iran. One is that and um, van de Golio I mentioned before, has got the world's longest throw. He's got the world record, um, okay. so he can lob it from the edge of the edge of his box. And I think he was playing for Boavista last season or the season before. Um, and he chucked it 62 meters, which is basically like about 30 yards from <laughs> from the other goal. So it bounced. That's where that was where it bounced first. So he can get a counter attack underway from from his throws. Um, and the second thing is, I just remember he ran at the last World Cup when um, the left back, whose name obviously forget uh, escapes me tried the uh, roly-poly throw-in against Spain. Oh, was that a run? Yeah, I do remember and he that. totally <laughs> failed and <laughs> I think he dropped the ball as it hit the floor and he ended up uh, just sheepishly just taking a normal throw-in in the end. So I hope we see both of them, both Iranian uh, throw specialities of yeah. roly-poly throw-ins and huge, humongous discus throws.
2: We oh. also know that the ex-Manchester United assistant manager, Carlos Querez is their manager. He is. And he's also the longest-serving ever Iranian football manager for oh. the national team. Not in this spell. In his previous spell, when he managed them back in, <laughs> I forget the exact date. It might be 2011, something like that. He went. From, I think no, it was R straight after United. Mm. So, I think what we're going to see for Iran, Nile, is very negative, very cautious, a lot of time wasting, an attempt to just drive this game to a nil-nil.
3: Maybe, but also I think with that long throw that Marley talks about from the goalkeeper. Harry Maguire's had no end of stick both from England fans Manchester United fans neutral Premier League fans they'll be targeting him they'll be saying to the keeper throw it in the direction of Maguire and try and cause chaos
0: try and throw it over his head and make him turn and run back towards his own goal just try and cause
3: chaos I mean that will be Iran's method I think cause as much chaos as possible Um, win your individual battles as you'd expect anyway I was looking at their squad and they've got um, a forward player of which apparently they've only named three forward players in their squad or, like, conventional kind of attacking players, which I thought was really strange. They've also named four goalkeepers. Um, <laughs> a guy called Ansifad, who is the striker for... Great name. Yeah, well, he's the striker, believe it or not, because I've watched him this season, and I didn't realise until I saw the list of their players, for Omonia Nicosia, the team that Manchester United played in the Europa League group stages, and he actually scored against them as well, I think. So, okay. Um, they haven't got...
0: They've got a couple of... Dudes, like, Mehdi as well, they've got, have they, who plays for Porto. Yeah, I mean... But, but what is he? I, yeah. But oh, so what I mean is...
3: For every player that plays for Porto, you've got someone who plays for Ammonia Nicosia. (laughs) And as much (laughs) as Manchester United only managed to beat them, I think it was 4-2 on aggregate over two group games, you'd expect England and the quality of player that they have to be more than enough to beat Iran. But this is the World Cup and I've seen strange things. I've seen England draw a goalless draw with Algeria when they should have hammered Algeria. I've seen them draw 1-1 with the United States. 12 years ago when United States were nowhere near as good as they are now, where Rob Green decided to throw the ball in his own goal. So you <laughs> see strange things happen in the World Cup group stages. And I think the nervousness is always going to be there. And if you can get that first result under your belt, I think that that certainly will, will give England a boost because you don't want to be going into games against America and certainly Wales, that finals group game, needing a result. Because can you imagine the... Uh, the hunger the Welsh will have to try and knock England Mm. out of the tournament if it comes to that. So, yeah, big match this.
2: So it kicks off at one o'clock. We'll be straight back after the game with a podcast to tell you everything that went on. Before we wrap up today's podcast, I want to do a quick game of play, bench, send home on some (laughs) key positions. Obviously, we're not going to be sending any home out of the 26-man squad. That's just not going to happen. But hypothetically, now these decisions are yours to make rather than Gareth Southgate's. So I don't want you to tell me what... Gareth Southgate is likely to do in terms of selection for these players what you think if you're England manager would be the best option so first one play bench send home for Marley Pickford Pope Ramsdale oh, well to me personally it? so play Pope um,
0: oh, well. bench Ramsdale and send Pickford home ok <laughs> I wonder why he's made that
2: decision <laughs> Yeah, slightly uh, <laughs> random but ok if you're a Macam you get sent home fair enough Trent, Walker, Trippier, Nile.
3: I would play Kieran Trippier. I think he's been really good for Newcastle mm-hmm. this season. I would bench Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I would send home Kyle Walker because he's not fit. Even though he's likely he's to not be fit, fit after this game. He's not fit. If you can't play the first game, he's got to go. I mean, he, yeah, he's a great player. And he'll probably be Gareth Southgate's first choice. But you're mm. asking me what I would do? He's not fit. You're back on the plane, Kyle. Right.
2: Mount Henderson Gallagher oh god um, start Mount
0: bench Gallagher and send home Henderson Sending home head? I don't think yeah.
2: Gallagher's going to play a single minute of football during this World Cup <laughs> he's just well, said if I was manager and
0: if you're a Macum, you've got to <laughs> yeah, go <I> <laughs> sorry
2: your <laughs> <into your home. laughs> so there's a lot of bias going on here let's hope Marley <laughs> never gets the England manager's job right final one Niall Rashford Sterling Foden
3: well, that's a difficult one. I would I would start Phil Foden. I would bench Rashford and I would send home Sterling. And I know it's controversial, but mm. I think of the three players this season, Raheem Sterling has been the least effective in the Premier League. Doesn't mean, as we've mentioned before, that he wouldn't be good for England. As you said, he's normally performed very well for England. And in the last tournament in the Euros... Last summer was really good. I just think that if we're going to be cutthroat, and that is a cutthroat choice, then uh, Sterling would need to go home for me, just basically on form.
2: I'm going to be really disappointed if Phil Foden doesn't get ample opportunity in this World Cup, because I think he has the potential. He's got that kind of Gaza quality. He's yeah. got the potential to just absolutely shine. He'll play a, a decent period of every game, I would say. If, if he doesn't start, he'll be coming off the bench with half an hour to go, I reckon.
3: He'll, play, he'll play against America so he can... Take on Tim And I want to see him and... in that
2: number 10 role. I think he'd be really good in that number 10 role, the role that we think Mason Mount's going to play later. Mm-hmm. I know it's not where he tends to play for Manchester City, but I think he's got the chops to do it.
3: Yeah, I mean, it depends. If you talk about 4-3-3, three, three, it depends with that midfield three, whether you're having one deeper and two further forward, or two deeper and one further forward, or how wide you want that midfield three to be. Because, you know, a, a 10 position does sound like a... a uh, something, but then you kind of have like a diamond front four. I don't know. There's so many options mm. to it. Um, I think it's good that Southgate does have different types of midfield players to choose from: Madison, Mount, and then of course you Gallagher, Bellingham, etc.
2: Should we do some quick predictions while we wrap up? As we're going to be coming back straight after the game to discuss what happened, we can see who gets closest out of the predictions. Who wants to go first? I think you get the easiest chow if you get to go first with your predictions.
3: I think one nil.
2: One nil. Yeah. Kg.
3: No bit okay. like yesterday, where Ecuador only won 2-0, should have been 7-0. Okay. I just think it's going to be one of those games where it, it might be tighter than you think. I think 1-0 to England. Marley? Uh, I think
2: 3-0. 3-0
0: okay. to England, yeah.
2: I'm going to split the difference and go 2-0, but I think it 100% hinges on who gets an early... like. If England get an early goal, I think it'll be a much more open game, and it could be 3-4 if Iran frustrate England in those first 20-25 minutes and play the kind of negative time-wasting football I'm expecting yeah. them to play England I aren't think great at coming be a behind nil. either you look at those no. games
3: against Hungary where they, they were behind and they never recovered
2: a late 89th minute Harry Kane penalty I think it's mm-hmm. going to be just we'll to never be game. more confident <laughs> Right, we'll be back a little bit later to talk about England versus Iran, have a good one and enjoy the game
1: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 18 plus.